Welcome to another episode of Culture FC, the weekly podcast show where we talk all things culturally significant to the beautiful game, just nothing that happens on the pitch. I am here, as always, with my two beautiful co-hosts, Alan and Louie. Today, we have cooked up another great episode, talking TAM. Don't know what it is? Listen and you'll find out. TAM is targeted allocation money. TAM is another one of MLS's funny money rules, and we talked what it is, how it's implemented, why it's implemented, and what we think of it. As always, we appreciate you listening, and we hope you give us that five-star. Questions, comments, concerns, as always, put them in the comments section. We share our information with you. Share our podcast with your friends. Can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at culturef.c. You can also follow our clothing company, at Trebleware. As always, thanks for listening. Let's get into it. Wayne Rooney to DC United thing is pretty Dude, very interesting, you know? I'm excited to maybe watch a game. <laughs> I think I think he can still produce. It's different. Oh, well, he is 32, but I think he still has... He still has a little bit in him. He still has some in him. I mean, if... if I mean, Chubster over here is not like Zlatan who, like, kept really good care of his body yeah. throughout his career, yeah. but... I don't know. It, like, it, like... But he's had such a long career. Now it's got to be Rooney. muscle memory. Yeah. You know, it's like muscle memory to perform at least to some it degree. It depends on how he plays True. here, because then it, it's like defeating the whole argument that we had of this isn't a retirement league anymore. Yeah, <laughs> but like, then it's like okay, Wayne Rooney. Are you guys, guys excited for Wayne Rooney? I am. <laughs> picking up a lot of like old players that aren't necessarily in their prime. Well, I, I don't think it's ever going to go away, at least for the next couple of years. There's yeah. a lot of these clubs who are like, shit, we have no real chance of doing anything, but we have some money. So let's maybe That's spend it on... Yeah, I mean... They're just bringing the revenue in. Like Wayne, like you have Wayne Rooney at your club. Like I get it, but all like all-time leading goal scorer for England. Yeah, all-time leading goal scorer for Manchester United. You're gonna get a lot of people in the stadium. Yeah, it's like if slap produce young talent, bro. Yeah, that's true. true. I mean, that's true. I don't know. It's also so random. Like I feel like DC United nowhere. Like (laughs) out of all clubs, DC United. Yeah, I feel like. Wayne Rooney does not fit what I imagine Washington, D.C. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. And well, when, the, when the, the fuck are the Revs going to get a just high, like, right? <laughs> Revs? Just fucking step it up. The day that like Robert, Robert Kraft, Kraft can't gets really his head out of his ass. <laughs> yeah, like, I feel like it's a good... Well, when, when they figure to want a celebrity player. Meek Mill should put on a soccer jersey. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, like, yo, Bob, dude, yeah, just get into soccer. Get a fucking soccer player. Yeah, for real. To start pulling strings with Meek Mill, like, yo, get this dude to yeah. start paying attention <laughs> to his other team. Could happen. Um, but, yeah, well, when the Revs signed Jermaine Jones a couple years back, the entire internet was just like, what? Really? Yeah. He did that? Because no one was expecting him to spend any money. True. And so, and the way that you, the MLS does it is so weird. Like, they basically create a ranking of all the clubs of who gets the next designated player, which is bonkers to me so then it's basically like oh the worst club gets the highest spot to sign a player but then if the la galaxy is involved the mls will switch all the rules and make sure (laughs) la gets what they want and it's like okay (laughs) great so yeah it's such a strange thing to happen it's like tim howard comes back to the mls goes to colorado you know wayne rooney goes to dc these random random clubs oh zlatan probably the biggest name since yeah. beckham to come to the league oh no no he he's has gonna to go, go to la <laughs> like why wouldn't he go anywhere else yeah so 
funny how that works. Yeah. Okay. Let's get into the episode. So, jumping into the three news topics of the week. The first one that I find very interesting. Uh, an article came out on Reuters. So, it's like big journalistic uh, legit. website. Legit website. And it's talking about how FIFA proposes staging a mini World Cup every two years. And so, basically, uh, FIFA president has proposed staging what would effectively be a mini World Cup featuring eight international teams every two years in additional to the traditional event. Um, we can kind of go into a little bit more about uh, what it is that they're trying to do, but off face value, how do you feel about this proposal? I think it would just put more strain on like depending when it is obviously hopefully it would be in the summer again like it when the teams have stopped playing but if there's like a like even just duties to go out and play with your team to maybe qualify for that like would put a damper on some seasons i think but i'd love to see more international soccer i don't think it takes away from the the prestigious prestigiousness prestige prestige yeah prestigiosity prestigiosity <laughs> of like the world cup itself like the mini world cup but then there's still that big world cup so i don't think it'd be the worst idea maybe like all the teams who didn't get in like the u.s and the netherlands can play <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate this idea like i don't know who's g- okay for uh, i'll let you f- i'll let you finish but um like face value for me it feels like they're just sticking in another tournament like, they just want another tournament to exist. Like, we already have the Euros, have um, Copa America, these tournaments that, like, actually have some value to people, I feel like. You're just creating a, a mini tournament just for the sake of creating a mini tournament. Um, like, uh, what's the point? I don't, I don't know. I just, like, what's the point of a mini tournament? Like, what's what do you get out of it? Like, oh, I'm the mini, tor- I'm the mini World Cup champion. Yeah. What? What's the point? So basically what it is is they're trying to they believe it could be worth twenty five billion dollars in a twelve year cycle. So that's like one of the main points in the in the in the Reuters article. And so in other words, they're kind of being like, Okay, we could see that there's a lot of money to be made, why don't yeah. we do that? I hate the idea. I think that if they do this, it's gonna dilute the World Cup. It's going to make international soccer not as important as it currently is. Because in my in my mind the reason the World Cup is so prestigious and it's so uh, such a coveted thing, aside from being the top prize you can win, it's also something that only happens every four years. So it's the kind of thing that you look forward to. The um, at, like the anticipation builds. You have the the fact that there's four years in between each tournament. It allows you to see how great of a tournament it is, and to put it, it creates this massive thing but having a quote-unquote mini world cup every two years i think it breaks that up i I just think that uh, who are like the only person you're trying to service here is yourself you know like they already have the they did they do say in the in the article that they're gonna they would get rid of the confederations cup which is basically like the warm-up to the world cup that's held every year before the year before every world cup in the same host country which a lot of people just kind of view as a uh, silly tournament anyway um but you know they do propose getting rid of that and substituting in this, uh, you know, mini World Cup. I think they should just get rid of both. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, Confederations Cup. I remember being hyped up for the Confederations Cup one time, but I was much younger and kind of didn't 
really realized that it didn't mean anything. Like, I don't know. I've had some value for it. Now I just think it's stupid. Like, I don't even think I watched the last, like, Confederations Cup, like, any mean. Like, I probably didn't watch a full 90 minutes. Yeah, I didn't. Kind of just, like, one of those things where you knew the games were happening. And um, who won it last year? <laughs> I don't know. I have no well, idea. Let's find out. Because I, I just don't thought about that. Know, I, like, I don't know who was in it. Yeah, right. <laughs> I can't think of. Well, it's really know. funny because we're talking here, and I'm like, oh, did I did I watch some some games last year? But then I'm like, yeah, I don't know who even won. So no, I see that though. I think if they were to have the mini World Cup, they'd have to eliminate. It would have to be. I would like to see just the World Cup and the mini World Cup. Yeah, like I, I they would. You can't you can't spread it out too. I much. I just think that for a truly international tournament, you don't need. Because here's the other part that I'm going to throw at you, Gianni Infantino, the FIFA president. He's already expanding the World Cup to 40 teams. Yeah, just by the next World the or by the 2026, I believe. So. What is really the or yeah, 2022 World Cup? Like what's really the point of of adding you know eight more teams to the World Cup, but then being like, oh, but we want another mini World Cup? Because like Mr. Krabs would say, dude, money. <laughs> 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 All right, a Mr. Krabs line today. Um, um, I j- I don't know, man. Like I, I I love I love international football, but I, I feel like like you were saying, Louis, the kind of time in between the tournaments really makes for like passion for the up. tournament this tournament if it's not gonna call i mean if it's not gonna i mean Copa america like you're the best south american country that makes sense european you're the best uh, the euros yeah. you're the best european country this mini tournament you're gonna crown like the what are you the best of you're the best world <laughs> club for a second and then the world actual <laughs> yeah, tournament right. that people care about comes like but I there's only eight of you I so just, how are yeah, you then the what's the so you're yeah, the what's best the point of like picked few yeah it just doesn't it doesn't logically make sense like but i mean you read the article and there's the 25 billion yeah. dollars that wants to be invested financially it makes sense and then i, I like there's <laughs> the quote in here where infantino says this means that fifa as an organization would not benefit financially from the competition yeah right like, come on man <laughs> fool me once right <laughs> like, come on you're gonna tell me fifa's gonna make no money off yeah. of these tournaments yeah we're not gonna make no money but yeah. people are willing to spend 25 billion dollars yeah. to like start it yeah they're gonna disperse it evenly between th- between the organization okay man. yeah and you know what like i think that a lot of people talk about how international soccer needs to be revamped or there needs to be something changed but i don't think so i think people are just a lot of people complain about international friendlies and all these things and like sure i get it it breaks up the season sometimes like players do come back injured i actually think maybe just reducing the amount of meaningless friendlies so for example the the that proposal to make that the european league right yeah, with the yeah. internationals yeah. um it basically it creates a league that is played between uh international uh teams within europe and they're basically going to be playing each other in a league throughout 3 years it's I'm trying to I'm trying to make it as simple as possible without getting into too much detail, but I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I think so too. I I, I personally like I I love international football, but I don't like friendlies because again of all the issues, yeah, like players coming out injured. Yeah. It, it it just seems like scrimmages sometimes. And um, if you if you honestly if you just re- I, if you replace those with meaningful games that were worth points. I'd be into that. I don't even care about the the number of it. Keep the same number and just make them actual meaningful games. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I like the friendlies, but they don't really mean much sometimes. You know what I mean? A lot of times I feel like you're just watching it to watch your players develop, right? Like you're like you have a young talent who's coming up and you're watching that friendly just to see how he does. But you don't really care necessarily if your team wins. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. (laughs) It's like a game with no point value, no... 
It's really just the yeah, development. Yeah, it's like, yo, thing. watch these two people, two people teams play, play for no reason. <laughs> so no reason. There's yeah. nothing, nothing going on, but they're gonna still be real competitive, <laughs> and they could still be injured for the rest of their own season. But <laughs> yeah, like, at least ACL. this is gonna get money for the TV. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think that the UEFA has the right idea with creating a league within their international teams. I think that's great. Yeah. I think that, and they're also gonna be implementing like a sort of promotion relegation system. So you know, it wasn't a huge drastic change, but it was a change that is going to be replacing all the meaningless friendlies that European countries play. And so I think by just replacing, like you said, by making it more meaningful than just playing a friendly, I think that that already is going to be a good revamp. So if every country were to adopt that, I'd much rather see that than create this fictitious mini final eight World Cup, which is just all it would do would be to dilute the World Cup. Yeah, and what? Uh, who's getting invited to this? It's just an invitation. It says it's uh, <laughs> unclear. Okay. So nice. <laughs> the letter did not clearly indicate how many slots would be allocated to each region. So you know, all of that. I I just I don't know. I don't think that it, it it's worth it. I think it's just another money grab from FIFA. FIFA really not changing it up. Really not changing up there. No. Uh, let's do a smaller tournament <laughs> of the biggest tournament <laughs> in the world. <laughs> Way less teams. Like <laughs> way less teams. Eight teams? Eight like, teams. how long is that tournament even going to last? It's going like to last two weeks. weeks. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> right. Uh, what? what if we did, like, single round elimination? Is it, awesome. Yeah, does it just One automatically go into <laughs> elimination games? Like, <laughs> what guess. is the point? I don't know. Plus, is they're going to pick a host country? Like, why are they going to have yeah. to go through that whole... Yep. Another host country where they can't... That's like where FIFA's going to make the money, is they're going to get the bribes to host the mini-tournament. Yep. Mini-tournament, and then it's like, yo, we'll have our <laughs> stadiums done. It's just like, yo, these <laughs> stadiums aren't done yet. It's yeah, like, we'll this just happens every two we'll years. Put in, we'll put in the 100 million slaves to... Uh, <laughs> the best part is, is that, like, I- in reality, an eight-team tournament, you probably require one, <laughs> like, like, one, one venue. Day. But then, like, you'd go to, like, some country that bribed FIFA, like, I don't know, um, Malaysia. Let's say Malaysia just paid FIFA out the wazoo and they're like we're gonna build 17 stadiums for this mini world cup you're like uh sir there's only gonna be about six games played we could probably just do with one tournament one venue 17 we need 17 (laughs) stadiums yeah um yeah so no i don't want this to happen i really hope it doesn't go through like unfortunately i think that it it's kind of already on its way but also this is just like something with like do people get no say in fifa i feel like no like louis you you bringing this topic up was the first time I've ever heard of it. Like, I feel like it was just like, yeah. who are they hey, sending this letter this. to? Like, who's the letter going to? I think it's a it was a press letter, if I'm not mistaken. They just they just shipped out this letter, and then that was the, just like, yeah, we're gonna probably gonna do this. Well, because I think about it, it's, it's Reuters, right? So I'm assuming like FIFA sent these huge press, like this big important press letter to all the biggest, most important news outlets. And so I almost wonder, like, do you think that they're doing this just to see people's reaction? They're just like, okay, let's send this letter out. Let them publish it and see how people see react. See what they will yeah, say. What the heck? I don't know. Sketchy. But tis the norm. Tis the norm. So moving on to a more l- American-based news topic. America. Um, America. Uh, also in relation to last week's episode on Nassau, uh, Comiso, the owner of the New York Cosmos, has offered the United States Soccer Federation 500 million of his own money as well as the commitment of a partners a couple of partners of his to match his investment for a total of 1.5 million dollar investment into baller brand billion wow million million with an m which is still a lot of money um investment into US soccer as long as his conditions are met so what he basically 
has outwardly come out and I find so he's basically outwardly come out and said that he is willing to invest all this money him and his like the people that he has in in in, in with I'm assuming it's some of the other Nassau owners and some of the people that he knows um, they are basically coming together saying we are willing to invest 1.5 million dollars in US soccer whatever that means whether it be you know lots of different things as long as his conditions are met and so what are those conditions uh, so basically they're broken down into four main points. First point is the elimination of U.S. soccer's deal with SUM. Um, and this is one of those, It's th- that's their marketing arm, I believe, that we kind of talked a little bit about during the USSF uh, election episode. And he calls for the elimination of that, and it's basically to be replaced by an open and competitive bidding, bidding process, um, which is, I believe, how a lot of other organizations usually run their things. Uh, it's kind of like, you have a, you put out a bid, someone offers, and they kind of do that kind of... Uh, the second main point of his is the development and implementation of rules addressing club poaching strategies, uh, which Comiso alleges are utilized by both MLS and USL to destabilize competing leagues to ensure all of the leagues are on equal footing and none has an unfair advantage over any of the others. And in the last three seasons, Nassau has lost four clubs to USL and one to MLS. So this is one of the biggest points in comparison to what we were talking about last week, how uh, he's basically saying that these the MLS and USL through their kind of uh, connected relationship has been poaching clubs, players, and all of that from these other leagues to basically, in a way, destabilize and ruin these leagues, which is what we talked about last week. Third point is equal representation and voting power on USSF's board for each professional league. In other words, another thing that goes with the transparency of what we spoke about in the USSF um, election episode, where we stated that there's a lot of unclear things that go on in the USSF and MLS and USL. And then uh, the final point is precluding board members with ties to professional leagues governed by USSF and or USSF's business partners from playing any role in the selection of independent directors or athlete council members. Um, the letter names Don Garber, MLS commissioner, and, and SUM chief executive as an example. Uh, I'm guessing that you know some of these bigger guys, they've basically just been kind of putting their hands too deep in certain areas. In other words, Don Garber's been personally handpicking things, and he just it's another thing that goes into the transparency and a little bit of the sketchiness that goes behind. Um, and so basically, I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on this because... A lot of this is kind of coming out because Nassau is in the state where they're not going to be playing 2018. Their future is very unclear. Um, Comiso has actually been trying to get a lot more people interested in Nassau, and I believe he's actually the interim commissioner for Nassau right now. Um, and so all of this is kind of coming out because he wants to rebuild Nassau. He wants to have that same thing. But what are your thoughts on, on this uh, proposal of his? Yeah, I, I dig it, honestly. I mean, it's it's relatively straightforward i do think that that last final point regarding the the board members being removed from any kind of selection process is what is going to hinge on this whole deal going through the other three points like i could see there being some discussions and kind of some give and take between um commiso and um, ussf but that last point seems like something that is going to be um tricky because i feel like they don't want to give up any power and any say in um kind of their authority that might be the biggest thing but overall i mean from face value and kind of just looking at this a a few times it seems like it makes sense i mean it's it's straightforward it's trying to make a a sustainable league and actually set some provisions to make sure that the league can stay afloat um 
but yeah, that last point seems to be like to me like what would be the biggest issue. I mean, I'd like to. I do you know how, how when was the, that he proposed this? A couple weeks, been two weeks. weeks. Yeah, three two weeks, three two to three weeks. Um, so I, I mean, I'd like to I'd like to see what USSF's thoughts on this are, but um, overall, I I do like the idea. I think it's a fantastic idea, but I just think that USSF is just going to be like, yeah, no, we don't care. Just yeah. Like, oh, we, uh, yeah, great money, but we're fine doing what we want to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like they've already set up their their establishment is set, yep. and they don't want to. They don't want to have any kind of competition or any any yeah. other leagues. But I mean, I'd love to see it happen just because Nassau, I think, was a really was a, was a super awesome league. So I I think that he. I think the way he did it was very interesting. I think that there, he kind of put the USSF in a bind, right? Because he came out and says that this investment would be um, to all of U.S. soccer. So in other words, it's like we want to better the sport within yeah. the country, which is supposed to be the USSF's like main ambitious goal. And then he says, I'm willing to do this as long as you guys play ball. So he's kind of putting backing them into a corner. Yeah. I almost think that he's expecting them to say no yeah. because I think he wants to put the public, turn the public's eye towards these issues yeah. because, you know, the USSF is going to be put in a very weird position. If they say yes, you know, everyone's happy in a way, right? Nassau gets to start running its stuff again. All of this stuff starts to work a little bit better. USS, uh, United States Soccer gets a, t- a big, huge investment within all of these um all of these investors and if they say no the public's eye gets turned to this topic where it's like Hmm. why did ussf say no yeah is there something else going on here exactly so i think that it was kind of genius in a way to do this because it is it does put them in a bind and it it really highlights the main issues that we've spoke about with nasa and ussf and all of these unclear non-transparent issues that that arise and so I don't believe the MLS or USSF has has responded to this Um, so at the time that I I researched this the president Carlos Cordero had not been reached for a comment they did say that he was busy helping uh, something or other and he wasn't able to comment which is what the article said but either way no one had responded and We'll see, right? I, I don't know. I really don't think... I'm, I agree with B. I really don't think this is going to happen. Nothing's going to happen about this. I think they're just going to kind of ignore it and hope that everyone forgets. I think yeah. they're just not going to make a public statement on it. Yeah. Um, which, of course, like I said, it does kind of play into what I believe to be Comiso's, uh main goal, which is to put the public's eye on these topics. Yeah. I mean, 1.5 bill is hard to turn down. Mill. Oh, with an but isn't it three of them? They do all each match. Like, he would put in his 500 million... Yeah, exactly. One point five million, I think, is what. Oh, total. Total. Yeah. Uh, yikes! It's not that much to the USSF. <laughs> I guess not, right? Yeah. But you know. Oh, sorry. Whoa, guys. Fuck. It's five hundred million. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying. So then, times three is one point five billion. I think the total is five hundred million. Oh, it's so his total. was two hundred and fifty. Oh, so they're splitting it. Okay. Yeah, but still, I mean, five mil, five hundred mil. That's, that's five hundred. So half a billion dollars. Like, yo, I'll that's a lot you. of money. <laughs> I apologize, <laughs> yeah, listeners. Money. I messed up the the amount here, but it's five hundred million dollars total in funding that Comiso is offering to uh, to revamp U.S. soccer as well as you know NASL and everything like that. But half a billion. 
That's yeah, a that's lot of money. Big chunk. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, yeah, I don't really expect much to happen, but yeah, I don't either. But it, like I said, it puts it puts the USSF in a little bit of a bind, where you have someone publicly saying, "All right, let's invest half a billion dollars in United States soccer," and then they're like, "Well, we don't want to because yeah. we don't want to play by these rules." Yeah. And lastly, <laughs> and lastly, uh, for the news top third, third news topic, Arsenal is considering renaming their one of their stands after Arsene Wenger. Um, basically, I wanted to use this as a segue into thinking, like, let's talk about Arsene Wenger's legacy, right? Like, does he deserve a stand being renamed after him? How? And I kind of want to ask a question: How do you guys view Arsene Wenger's career overall? I'm not really an Arsenal fan, so I mean, I don't really know too much of his career, to be honest. Um, I know he was at Arsenal for a fucking grip, so I think if he has had, I mean, and he did he did coach the, the quote-unquote Invincibles, you know, so I think with that being said, a guy like that who has devoted so much of his time and his life to a team where this year has really just turned their back on him for a majority of the season. Like, a lot of people are giving him shit and this and that when, like, yeah, he's made his mistakes and everything, but at the same time, like, he is a pretty dope coach and he's been there for so long. So I would greenlight it. I'm all for the fans recognizing one of their coaches because it's a tough job to be a coach for so long at a team where you eventually have to leave and it's just like, well, fuck, like, they kind of, like notice that like I wasn't producing as well as I have been so it's got to be a, a pretty big hit to him so I would say green light that shit yeah I mean honestly if he had only been there one year f- and done the invincibles you get a stand named after yourself I don't give a shit about anything because it, the, yeah, having a season undefeated is <laughs> damn near impossible in, in the modern game so that alone I think merits him um, getting a stand I think that all th- I mean then Sure, say he hadn't won the Invincibles, you stay at a club for 20 years, whether you win that many trophies or not, you have a relationship with the club, I mean, you've done something right to be able to stay there for that long, you deserve a stand as well. I mean, I think that you don't necessarily need to be the most successful person ever. If you stay at a club for that long, you become you become that club's history regardless. So, um, I mean, unless there were sketchy things that were keeping you at the club, I'm not saying that that's the reason why, but um, he has history there. I mean, from f- I only know Arsenal as Arsene Wenger, kind of, ever since I've started following English football, he's been the only manager there. So I think for sure deserves it. It's sad to kind of see the way that he's being treated um, because he has given so much to them. But at the same time, like, dude, you haven't really won that much. I get it. Like, if I, if I were Manchester United, I'd be pretty pissed. Um that he was still there, so I'm not judging any Arsenal fans for the way he's being treated, but um, it's funny to see how quickly people can kind of turn their opinions. Like, yeah. now that he's retired, it's like, oh, my, thank you. Like, he's such an amazing person, blah, 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 where it was, like, last week he was, like, get him out. Like, I don't care. Yeah, Banners flying somewhere. over the stadium. Yeah, like, like, you know what I mean? So um, well, I think it's just a nice time to appreciate him and – go from there well that was basically the reason why i wanted to bring this up because i think that his career is such a career of two halves and his public opinion is such a is such a phenomenon of like two of two halves right first half of his career at arsenal 
phenomenal. Had the Invincibles, you know, won, I think it was, like, three league titles. He's also credited as being kind of, like, the the revel- like who, the man who revolutionized the way that prem- English Premier League soccer was played, right? He was, like, the Pep Guardiola of that time. Like, I mean, Fergie's credited him with being the re- – like, not even Liverpool. Like, the Arsenal was the reason why um, – Manchester United had to step their game up and be so successful because they kind of Arsenal was the team to beat. So, I mean, if you if you have that kind of lasting impact on a league, uh, yeah, you probably deserve a little credit. Right, and I think that you know, I think they've won three three league titles and 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 it ended with the Invincibles because then after that they didn't win, haven't won the league since. But you know, they won a couple FA Cups and everything yeah. like that, and they were always around the top of the Premier League, but never really. Like, they would challenge every couple of years, and, you know, there was that season where everyone thought they were actually going to win, but they were top at Christmas and ended up fourth yeah. by the end of it, which was amazing, or second, whatever it was. They yeah. literally just dropped all those points. And uh, other than the recent, they haven't really fallen out of top four. Like, they've finished, obviously, these last couple of years where they haven't finished top four, but they've, I mean, to keep a, a club in the top four race for that longevity is pretty damn right. hard. And I think that, like you said, without Arsene Wenger, there would be no Arsenal to right. what, you know, we see it today. To yeah, right, right. You know, it wouldn't be... I guess it has kind of fallen out of favor in the past, I guess, five-ish years of where everyone thinks about uh, Arsenal because Man City's come up with all their oil money. Chelsea's been been up and everything. And so... Pew, pew. I heard <laughs> the shots fired. <laughs> but, you know, I think I think they should... I think people should respect him. I think they should rename the stand. It's just a matter of, I do think it was time to go. I think he stuck around for way too long. I think he could have left three seasons ago, and it probably would have been fine. Um, but at the same time, give the guy the recognition, right? Does he have a statue? Henri has a statue. Henri has a statue. He, I sh- Arsene Wenger should have a statue. Yeah, I think so. Um, do you think he's going to coach in the Premier League again? I don't think so. I think he'll coach other places he might go back to france they're saying that he might come to mls they might there's some people even touting him to be the next u.s men's national team coach i think wenger would be dope at psg with the squad they have now Oh, i'd love to see that but wenger i i i lost a lot of i used to think he was a phenomenal manager but then like i just think maybe he had his hand too deep into like who they could buy and things like that if he had just stuck to coaching i think he would have been much better at arsenal um i just think that some of the buys he made were just Weird. But he's, I mean, he's an attacking guy. Like, think of the team they have right now. Like, they would be pretty freaking baller under him, I think. I will say, they've always had a very well-coached team. I yeah. just Like I said, I think, like you said, they're very They're just buying Danny minded. Welbeck. That's the problem. They're just buying <laughs> Danny Welbeck and <laughs> these and other Alex young players. You know what I mean? Like, so exactly. I mean, like a Neymar, Neymar, Mbappe... Cavani trio under Wenger could be pretty could dangerous. could be pretty crazy. I feel like he's lost... He has lost a little bit of touch, but it, it's also just like he could be rejuvenated at a new club where, where I don't know, he has an attacking front and kind yeah. of give him a little more. He doesn't have so much negativity. Also, just so much negativity over a lo- extended period of time can really do some damage to you, you know? So I'm surprised he stayed sane. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's hard. Like, people are questioning every single decision of yours over five years. Is, yeah, it's yeah. hard. It's hard to... 
and it's weird because you were you were on he was on this pedestal of like being an untouchable like everything yeah. he did everyone was most Arsenal fans for the very long period of time wouldn't even question him and then slowly but surely people started to become you know more Wenger right. out and all this stuff and then right. Arsenal fan TV starts to blow up and it takes like it hits a crescendo like two years ago with everyone saying like Wenger out Wenger yeah, out Wenger yeah. out and then I think most Arsenal fans just kind of resigned themselves to be like yeah he's not leaving anymore time yeah. soon so a lot of them were just like whatever yeah I don't know. I'd like to see him um, at a new club, but we'll see. He yeah. might need a he might need a little sabbatical, and then right might need to take some time off. And I will say though, I think that if they if they were to just remove him from the decision making of who gets bought or sold or whatever, then I think he's a fine coach. Yeah. I just don't think he makes always the best decisions in terms of players. It's true. Also, something that I just recently found out is that he, before he was at Arsenal, was in Japan coaching. Yeah. What the hell? He won the Japanese league with... Yeah, um, he was, like, revolutionary in Japan, too. Like, what the hell? That is so weird. His career is very interesting to me, though. He's been in some weird teams. Aside from Arsenal, of course, but... Who knows? Maybe he goes back to Japan and (laughs) does some crazy shit there. On the prospect of him coaching the U.S. men's national team, are we for it or are we against it? I know it's just a rumor, but like I'm curious. For it, man. Yeah, Fuck why it. Not? It's just not working now. Let's switch it up anyways, you know what I mean? Yeah, just switch Throw it. Throw a up. complete curveball. Yeah, Don't cares? go with what yeah. people are expecting. Go with Arsene Wenger. Can we have a talk about not having yeah, having people who weren't Euro- uh, yeah, yeah, European outside. coaches? Yeah, yeah, but if you want I feel like if you're gonna take the US up a level, you're not yeah. gonna really do it with the US coach right now. You gotta do it, Wenger. Wenger. Oh, that's an interesting question, Louis. Arsene Wenger for the U.S. men's national team. So, listeners, if uh, what do you think? Do you think Arsene Wenger should be the next U.S. men's national team coach? Would you like to see that? Who is he up against right now? Like, what are some of the names? Honestly, there's not much out right now because USSF is taking their sweet time deciding. But then again, they don't really have a rush because, yeah. like we know, the U.S. We're is out. not in the <laughs> World Cup. Um, yeah. They're saying a couple names like uh, Peter Verms, which is the coach from Sporting Kansas City. Uh, there's not many names, and that's a lot of them. That's Toronto FC coach, I think so. Too. Is he in the mix too? Yeah. yeah the, the the mix of coaches that are being discussed, kind of none of them are yeah. really that yeah. great. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I mean, then again, a lot of people are saying that Peter Verms is probably one of the better choices. Yeah. But he came out and said this week that he's staying at Bo- Sporting Kansas City. So I don't I don't really know. Yeah. I think Arsene Wenger would be an inspired, inspired hire for U.S. men's national team coach. I think that it must be so different, though. I wonder what the life is like of a national team coach versus a super like, chill coach. in my mind. Right? Super. It's I mean, there's be. obviously like responsibilities, but you just travel around the like, world watching your players. Be like, you kind of scratch your head, like, should I get him? Bring him? If he sucks, he sucks. Because like he's he obviously does like international coaches don't do the all the scouting. Like they have people that would go out and watch. Also, you can watch all these guys on TV, so it's really not that. It's got to be nice. Yeah, I think it's but then super chill. Uh, and instead of for the fact that like uh, like you don't make a World Cup, then it's just like yeah. Um, obviously, the pressure mounts, but I'm saying like day in and day out yeah. activities are probably super chill. Yeah, <laughs> that must <laughs> to be, be making sick. that be to different. be making the money they make. Like day in day out, their jobs probably aren't that crazy. Yeah. Because, like, again, the friendlies are three months apart. <laughs> you have a lot <laughs> of time to, to do to today. I think you paid a lot of money. So it's like, you know, you're chilling for most of the yeah. year. Being an international coach, that's... I think that's the play, guys. That's I the think play. that's the play. <laughs> well, I think that's why some of these guys go coach random-ass teams like Iran and shit. You know that's what I mean? Like, that's true. It's, uh, it's not that crazy. Well, it was like um, Pajero, who was the coach for Brazil. 
uh, when they won in what was it? One of the World Cups. He was one of the coaches. He coached. He's coached the most random yeah, teams. He's like coached South coach. Africa, Iran, I believe. You don't even Australia. need to go live there. You don't even need to go no. live in the country. Like, just yeah. go watch players show up <laughs> every three months, <laughs> coach them for a week, and then go play a game, and then be done. I think one of the weirdest ones was Bob Bradley. Didn't he coach Egypt? Really? I'm pretty yeah, sure Bob maybe. Bradley was the coach for Egypt at one point. Yeah, I just like now that I think of it, that could have been a career path. Yeah, coaching. Hey, you're not dead yet. Coaching international teams. Yeah, no, Bob Bradley was the... He got fired from the United States uh, (laughs) men's national team position in 2011 and became the head coach for the Egyptian national national team from 2011-2013. So Bob Bradley made Mo Salah, basically? I wonder. Probably. Huh, that's interesting. interesting We're going to be real. Damn, that's pretty sweet. That is pretty cool. Okay, I think enough of the BS... We should get into the probably what the main topic of the episode oh. will be. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that wasn't the episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, right, yeah. That's the end of the episode, guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> Check in next week for <laughs> for another three riveting <laughs> topics. <laughs> <laughs> so, tying it in a little bit to our beloved New England Revolution. And by beloved, I don't mean beloved, but you know, whatever. Uh, they recently traded Lee Win to LAFC for $700,000 in TAM. And I read this headline and I thought to myself, what the fuck does that mean? (laughs) Um, Because it wasn't like they traded their best player for $700,000, which I first I was like, that's ridiculous. This man is way too good (laughs) for $700,000. So I'm like, what the fuck is this, is all this stuff? And I figured maybe I'll do a little bit of research to find out what is TAM? Why did this go through? Because in my head, I'm like, how could you trade your best player for $700,000, whatever denomination this is? And so to give you a little bit of perspective, uh, Lee Wynn's production of 54 goals and and 56 assists in 211 uh, league and cup appearances is among the best in the MLS. Like he's by far one of the best players in the MLS over the past uh, however many seasons. And he, a couple years back, was one of the finalists for the MLS MVP. So this is a player that you should really be building your team around. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this is your corner piece. This is a guy that doesn't make too much money. It's not like Jovinko who tops the list of yeah. you know the highest paid players in the MLS. This is Lee Wynn. This is a guy that you got that you can build around. Yet, um, he's going out for seven hundred. He's going out for seven hundred thousand funny money dollars funny money <laughs> and and we'll pay you in funny money <laughs> to give you a, to give you an idea though he hasn't played this year at all because he's been holding out he's been kind of pissed off about the whole situation in, in new england and he really wanted to get out and so uh, brad friedel hasn't picked him for a single game he hasn't he hasn't been in any match day squad and he's just been kind of sitting at home doing nothing has i'm fully behind by the way like s- not playing a guy that that sits out yeah right Hell fair yeah. enough and trading him even better Fuck get yeah. some of those funny money dollars and so Basically, uh, why? So, what does this mean? Like, so first of all, what is TAM? TAM is targeted allocation money, which is a funny money <laughs> MLS rule that was implemented in 2015. So, essentially, it's to kind of have to understand the MLS's structure, right? We talked about how the MLS has their designated players, which allow them to go over their salary cap to sign these players. Uh, general allocation money and targeted allocation money are just these new supplements that they decided to create in 2015 
to try and alleviate a little bit of the top heaviness of each of the squads, right? Because like we've spoke about recently, uh, a lot of MLS teams, they had these three amazing players and then the rest of their squad was made up of, I, I kind of want to say loose parts, right? Like spare parts that kind of get put together around it's these like three players. like when you players. play... Um any fantasy thing and then you cl- like you pick the best players and then you have a little bit of money left and you just click x to randomize the selection <laughs> yeah. for the rest of them that's basically what what happens that was basically yeah exactly all these mls teams were playing fantasy football <laughs> out here <laughs> getting three high-end <laughs> players and filling out the roster with whatever else they could <laughs> find because that's how it worked and so what mls did was created something called general allocation money and ta- and target allocation money um i could bore you with the actual definition but i'm basically going to break it down to what target allocation money is it allows you to sign players who would make more money than the salary cap allows but less money than a dp and so that just means that teams in the mls are allowed to sign better players and make their squads not top heavy right like and that's kind of what they want it's essentially a way to bend but not break their own designated player rules and also their own restrictions um so you're essentially saying Say there's this guy that's going to cost about the same amount as DP would cost, but if we use TAM money to push that value down, he's no longer a designated player. He's on our roster. So that TAM money is to kind of push down the fact that... Exactly. Cool. And it allows there you, you go, to... <laughs> <laughs> TAM for dummies. <laughs> TAM for dummies and Brendan. <laughs> so it ex- it's exactly what it is. You're allowed to use your TAM money. Yo, this is the first like money thing we've ever got that i have actually grasped and be able to think about it it's great it's so funny i got so scared when i started doing the research i'm like yo this is gonna be another one of those episodes where i'm gonna get confused when i talk and it's gonna be too much but then i started realizing it it's pretty simple yeah um basically you're allowed to use tam to buy down certain designated players contracts to free up another designator designated player slot to sign another amazing player so let's say for example you were an mls club you had three dps one of them that was making just a little bit above the threshold and you're like well if i use some tam to push him down to to fit under my salary cap and free up one of those dp slots i can sign you know x insert x uh star from superstar wayne rooney bring him to your club um and so that was kind of the point. It was to allow the league to become more competitive by making each of these teams not so top-heavy. Um, but what gets funny is, like, you can trade your TAM, which it's like... It's like a playing card. It's <laughs> yeah. Dude, the MLS is out here playing cards. With Yo, I got uh, 700,000 TAM I can trade you for <laughs> your best player. Are you trying to do that? <laughs> yeah, man, let's let's go for it. Yeah, here is my player, <laughs> and here's fake money. Can you accumulate TAM from different teams? I like, believe I so. Give a TAM, TAM bank. Cards? <laughs> I, got three, I, got three tam, I, got <laughs> I got three TAM cards. I'm stashing them for next I season. I got like <laughs> 1.4 million in that TAM. <laughs> Wow. It's I, I believe you can. I believe you can kind of <laughs> so stash awesome. your TAM and use it. Um, there, I'm sure there are rules to how much TAM you can use in certain uh, perspectives. But, you know, to give you an idea, the LA Galaxy, they signed Zlatan with TAM. They didn't sign him with a D- DP slot because, you know, they have Giovanni Dos Santos as one of their DPs. I don't know who else is their DP, but Shoot, it must basically... must a lot of TAM bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what the TAM bucks um, But, yeah, you know, it's just... You know what the problem is, like... I feel when you talk about financial things, you just don't need that many acronyms. If you get no. some DP Tam, what is it? Gam? There's Gam. Like there's you don't need some that. You don't, some. <laughs> you don't need that many acronyms to be describing something that is just like. And it's, and my question here is, 
does is this now like with all these rules do you think they're moving into a into an area now where they're just gonna eventually drop these things or they're just gonna keep building on them right you know what it, I, I was wondering that and that was actually one of the questions i wanted to ask you guys it seems like they're weaving this web of random ass rules that I feel like if they don't stop soon, it's just going to become a giant mess. It's already a mess yeah. to try and explain to. Right. I mean, the three of pop. us, we don't, we didn't follow the MLS too too closely for the longest time, and now we're starting to follow it a lot more. For us to understand this is already crazy. I can't imagine if you're just saying it to someone like, "Hey, man, like follow the MLS," but here's all the different playing card rules you got to yeah, know right. to understand our league, and which is a very interesting thing because the there's a there was a poll that went out to every single mls player on roster in the mls and it asked them do you understand how general allocation money and target allocation money works 50 percent of the league said they did not yeah so think about it you have the players in your own league who are the closest to all of this who should know how this is because it affects their salaries it affects where they're going it affects all of these different things yet only 50 percent of them know that number seems way too low to me. Yeah. And it's another way for teams to exploit players, right? Yeah. If players don't understand their financial situations, teams that do understand them can really kind of like fuck them over. Yeah, but in a way it's like if you're if you're signed on as a as a player at a club, you get kind of fucked over every once in a while anyway, right? Cuz it's just like Yeah. But I, d- I just don't think there needs to be the headache of having to also understand this like financial scheme it r- when there's already I mean as a professional player you already kind of have a lot to worry about and there anyways. are even certain things in your contract that allow like say you score over X amount of goals yeah. you get more money right. and then like this and that and then to have another thing just on top of that to make you think about more money and just Things you it just doesn't make it. About. Just doesn't make it clear. I don't know. I it, it just seems it seems a little absurd to me. I think it's uh, the idea. I just think that the idea that people the people who are closest to this don't necessarily understand it seems right. very wrong. Right. I get it. It's only been implemented, you know, three years ago. But three years is a long time <laughs> to be able to understand something. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. the whole fifty percent of the people that are being used this for this money. Yeah, they need to have like an employee training day where they just teach these guys. Welcome to the TAM <laughs> workshop. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about. Tam, Tam, and you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a fifteen, it's a fifteen slide thing. Yeah, you got to fill out a worksheet after. Like, <laughs> got to take the you test. Gotta, you have to, yeah, you have to take the <laughs> test, and it's gonna, you have to know. Um, so it brings up the question: Is this just an overcomplication of rules, or is it a clever workaround? Because as we've said before, it it, it seems like the MLS is just kind of complicating all of these things. And I, I personally believe the MLS is kind of getting to a point where it should maybe start thinking about abolishing these rules and just opening up the league, which is what we've said with what NASA was trying to do and all this. But what do you guys think? Is this just an overcomplication or is it a clever workaround to what they were doing? I, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, it is an overcomplication, but it's also a legal way for them to kind of make it easier for teams to get more balanced teams. Um, and you're right. I think that if this continues to be an issue where they're having to make so many rules to kind of bend their own original rules, maybe that they should consider just dropping them and making it kind of more of an open market type of situation. Um, and as we spoke about, I think that 
it does make sense now because it is helping teams survive in the MLS, but you're right. I do think that it's reaching a point now where we're seeing a lot of traction for the MLS and in, in, in soccer in the country in general, especially at, at the MLS's level, where they might not necessarily need to be worried about kind of that the the needing to keep teams alive issue. Um, and they could start kind of thinking of dropping these rules because at the end of the day, if you're going to keep adding rules to make it eventually become something of an open market, it, just make it simple, right? The, re- remove the headache, get rid of that, and, and just let teams compete financially for, for, wha- for who they can and be smart with their, their money that way. Um, but I don't know. I think it is complicated, but it is also just a smart way for them to, uh, to allow teams to, to be more competitive. Yeah, I think I'd go more towards the clever workaround. Yeah. Um, just because we've seen that way the MLS works, and I don't think they're going to be changing anytime soon. Yeah. In l- unless there's like some kind of crazy out- outbreak or out- backlash for something. So I think they're trying to um, keep the the people who are complaining about uneven teams down by saying like well look you can't you can only have three designated players but we have this we'll tam thing this, yeah. we'll give you this so you can use this fake money not fake money but this <laughs> these these bucks to to bring down a person that you really want or you say one of your players who is a designated player isn't playing as well or something and you really need to to spice up the team and using that tam money is a way to kind of cleverly say that we need better we need better people, but we can't afford it because we have our, th- our we designated have our players. Yeah. I but then at the same time, as I'm saying that, it's just like, damn, well, then why not just abolish all the rules so you don't have to worry about it? Yeah. So the main reason is, like, th- the same reason why they even have, like, designated players is to keep the league uh, relatively with good parity. In other words, they don't want just one team ruling everything, which I can understand. I can I can understand why you don't want that because there are leagues, like we spoke about last week, there's a lot of leagues in the in the world where certain teams you know Bayern just win every single year and it's (laughs) is it really that fun no but at the same time I think that I do think it's a little bit of a clever workaround because like you said they want to they want to appease to everybody and they and they do see that they need to change certain things and I don't necessarily think they should abolish all of their money monetary restrictions for teams but I do think that it, it is getting to a point where it's like do you really have to designate what player is a DP and what player is making this? Can't you just kind of pay them a certain amount? Couldn't you essentially just make the the salary cap much bigger? Yeah, like, I, I that's the thing. I think it's there like must be other workarounds. That's the. I mean, it's the the age old age old issue I I have on this podcast and as we cover topics, it's like, what's up with the babying of? I mean, these are like, these are businesses, right? Businesses need to be run smart. If you're not run smart, you collapse. Other than that, have people and have organizations that are <laughs> being run the correct way. Have ways of monitoring teams to make sure that they're actually being financially sound, not making stupid decisions and getting three players that are putting them overboard. Set sanctions or something like that. But what's up with the... I don't get the, the need to baby these teams and kind of set these rules. When at the end of the day, the MLS is a business, right? All of these sports leagues in the world are businesses. Treat them as such. Don't baby them and and kind of go from there. I mean, I think that there's this uh, overcomplication of things when you, it can be pretty simple and and um, straightforward. And uh, honestly, we do have the big examples of Bayern and kind of Barca, Real Madrid, where the leagues are are um, 
dominated by one club. But if you look at clubs or around the, I mean, leagues around the world, it, a lot of leagues are super competitive that run an open market. Brazil being one of them, right? They're like, it's probably one of the hardest leagues in the world. Like, every I don't think they've had season. a repeat. I don't think they have a re- they've had a repeat champion in so long. Oh, Cruzeiro did, I think, of in two thousand and nine. Yeah, I guess I believe it was. Ago. Yeah, but yeah. like, you know what I mean? A lot of leagues around the we look at the big leagues, but a, a majority of like smaller leagues around the world are pretty damn competitive with an yeah. open market they they survive right they have this and it's super exciting and you don't have to worry about all these f- weird rule financial rules so i don't know i think that oh sorry cruzeiro did repeat as champions in 2013 and 2014 yeah. but al- you do have a lot of like in brazil there is a lot of parity um you really don't often see repeat uh, winners, right? No, it's, I mean, it's what Cruzeiro did was super hard. Yeah. I mean, that was like that was like a big feat for them to yeah, be able to they, do that. Their team those years were nuts. yeah, yeah. So great. But um, yeah, no, I, I mean, so, so I don't w- know. one question I have is: Do you think an implementation of something similar to financial fair play would apply to the MLS? Would that be a good workaround well, for thinking, this? That's what I'm thinking. Like, have some type of like financial. Although we know financial fair play is sketchy and whatever it is, yep. have some type of f- um, regulatory system that isn't a cap system, right? So, so you're not capping teams and having them do all these weird things. Have a rule every year, you're, 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 it's like taxes. You're gonna monitor their, their financials, see if they're making sense. If not, you set a sanction. Hey, transfer ban, you can't do this. Be smarter with your money. I think that going forward, that might be something that makes more sense, it, that isn't such a headache, and it, it doesn't require teams to be doing these kind of like financial gymnastics to, to, to create e- equal teams. Just have them have a, uh, a a cap or whatever, not a cap, but have them run their money the way they need to run it. If they have a good team, they have a good team. If they don't, they don't. Well, you know what I think is interesting is that even in leagues where there is a small group of teams that win every year or so, there are other things that teams play for, right? It's not just the league. In in you know, in Germany you have, and in every league really, you have the league, and you also have like the country's cup. Right. And if you're good enough, you make it into certain European competitions. Either yep. you're going to go to the Champions League, or you're going to go to uh, the Europa League. Similar in South America, either you're going to go to Libertadores, or you're going to go to the Copa Sudamericana, which is like the equivalent of those two. And it's like, I think that if you were to allow more open system. And and do put in something like financial fair play where you're monitoring just their taxes and their and their and how much they spend versus how much comes in. I think that's probably fine. Yeah. And it, it's it's of course there there are issues with financial fair play. So anybody listening, yeah, I, I get that it's not a yeah, perfect trolls, system. No. <laughs> but at the same time, it's it's a system that. I think every club should be looked at individually. If you spend X amount, you need to be making that much True. amount, you know? And I think that's the basis of financial fair play. So doing something along those lines, I think will end up being better for the MLS in the long run. I think that in connection to what uh, Rocco Comiso wants to do with Nassau, and in connection with a lot, what a lot of people are yelling for in the U.S. in terms of opening up the systems, making everything more clear and transparent, I personally think it's time to... Just open it up. Like, you're yeah. babying and protecting your league, but you see that it's working. I I, I don't know what, like... Yeah, I, I think now, I think that there was a place for, and it was a smart move to do at one point, right? It kept yeah. the MLS alive, afloat, equal, but I think we're reaching a point now where that's no longer necessary. Yeah. I think teams now are starting to have, financially, they're they're in a there's good situation where there. there's, no, there's no need to have to worry about... Um, have to worry about them and baby them 
as I've been saying. So I, yeah, I think that it, it's not going to be changed. Uh, it's definitely not going to be changed <laughs> soon, but I think that it's something that should be considered. So do we think that this is hindering the MLS? Because think about it. If the league is growing and you're getting a lot more interest, you're getting a lot more viewers, you're getting a lot more attendees to matches, you're getting a lot more public eye on, on the MLS, do we think these rules, the DP, the GAM, the TAM, all these funny money <laughs> rules, are they actually a hindrance on the MLS's growth? I think in today's world, yes. Like, uh, if we're looking at it right now and today, I think it is kind of hindering it because you've seen over the past couple of years, like, teams starting up, like LAFC, you know, and they're, they're doing fucking great. And there's there's people already about the team. There's already people going in the games, buying the jerseys, everything like that. So the money is there. I think that if they have all that there why are they gonna just hinder that and like kind of put a roof on top it's yeah. like yeah you, you can get up to this point but like unfortunately every mls team can only get up to this point so i mean yes it would keep it competitive but i think open market we're capitalistic society right and, w- and when we talk about all these rules right and not even just tam in general but like when we were talking about this oh, episode like why does why does the galaxy get zion right why do why is why is there almost like a there's a, a draft teams that can then get players from overseas or these big name players it just doesn't seem like something that is fair even though you're trying to make it fair right so like why does dc united get dibs to win rooney like it, it, it yeah, i don't know it just doesn't seem it's it doesn't seem like it is something that is super fair we're yeah. like what if the reps wanted to compete for him or some other teams wanted to compete for them if they don't have the, the choice for it? i think there you c- you actually can trade your allocation <laughs> spot so here's <laughs> another funny thing. <laughs> it's like there's a ladder of who gets to get the next big international player that the mls they set up the system over 10 years ago yeah. when, when bex came to the league so it's like it was an older idea, but it's like essentially they make a a, a a draft table of who gets to get the next big player. So right. when Tim Howard came back to the MLS, Colorado happened to have the worst record. They happened to be at the top of this weird allocation system. And then, n- you know, if the Revs wanted to get Wayne Rooney, they would have had to trade right. some other thing right. to move up this weird ass ladder right. versus why di- why couldn't it have been one club in the MLS reaching out to Wayne Rooney saying, Hey, we wanna we wanna uh we wanna put you under contract. We want you to play for us. Um let's make it let then are you on board? Then at this point let's negotiate with Everton and yeah. then it's easy. But no, it seems that essentially the MLS will reach out to a player like Wayne Rooney and be like, Hey, we're the MLS, we want you to play in the MLS. Oh, okay, cool. Um, where am I going? And they're like, Oh, <laughs> we don't know. Oh eleventh place team D C United. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's like why and so and i think this brings up another question when you asking about it hindering the mls do you think that fans care like we talk about these topics because it's something for us to talk about and they're interesting interesting to us like do you think the average mls viewer cares about this being about the dp rule and having this this whole thing so uh, i don't want to you know put everyone in a bucket because that seems i don't want to talk about everybody but from what I've seen, a lot of the people who closely follow the MLS, they've also kind of followed this sheltered mentality of the only soccer that exists in the world is the MLS. And of course, like I'm saying, I'm not saying this is everybody. And so I think a lot of people, they just kind of accept what the league does. It's also a common, I mean, the whole like, cap space thing is common for American sports in general. Right? Super common for any American sports fan to really grasp these ideas because 
it's the very it's very funny to me because I love the NBA and I love all of the NBA trade rules and all that and I'll actually go through all of that because I find that very interesting and you know in comparison for MLS I hate it yeah and so it doesn't fit your your mental scheme for what you you're used to yeah worldwide soccer right which is also another point that I think we should make is that you know we're used to watching something else yeah Yeah. and and it's just because it's different doesn't mean it's wrong I just think that it is hindering the league's growth but I think that a lot of people they do accept it at face value from the standpoint of okay the league is doing this it's going to better the league I'm all I'm on board but then again my thought is if 50% of the league doesn't even know about this do 50% of the MLS fans really understand Tam Gam and Here's my thing. If the MLS has to have a glossary on their <laughs> website to yeah. describe their funny money yeah. rules, I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah it's they like huge definition do. for Tam. Yeah, <laughs> they, they do actually have the glossary, which you, you pointed out. Like, you go to the website and find – like, they have their own dictionary. <laughs> like, why? Why do they have their own dictionary? It, like, sports should, in theory, be relatively simple, especially a sport like soccer where it is the most simple sport. Do you, you right. want me to explain to you the rules right. of soccer? Very simple. There are 11 guys on each half of a field. There's one ball. You get the ball in the back of the net. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, and, like, this, the same issue that we're having with, with the main t- one of the main um, news points with the, the, se- the new Baby World Cup, you're just making things more complicated than they are. Yeah. Right? And as a soccer fan, I don't want that. I want things to be simple. I want any new technology to be simple. I want any type of – I want anything that's going to be brought into the sport to make – it's simpler and easier to understand and not necessarily more difficult. So this idea of kind of setting all these financial regulations doesn't fit with the schema that I have generally for the sport, right? It, it doesn't, it doesn't correlate. And, and I think like I shouldn't spend as a fan, I should be focused a hundred percent on supporting my team and wanting them to win. Right. I should be focused on, okay, so my jersey just came in. I'm going to this game, going to that game, going to that game. I'm going to meet up with this supporters group to paint this TIFO to do all this. I shouldn't be worried about whether or not my team is the number one spot on an allocation thing. Do we have enough TAM to sign Wayne Rooney? Like, I shouldn't be able, I shouldn't have to do this gymnastics. I should be able to just support my team and not care about these things. And I'm sure a lot of MLS fans don't give a shit and they're just going to support their team no matter what. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, just, just, it, it does affect your fanship, I guess, having to worry about this stuff. Yeah, I mean, especially if you're a hardcore fan. Like, like even just for the revs, like, giving up one of our, the I mean, yeah, granted, he hasn't been playing, but, like, giving up one of our best players for this funny money. And, I mean, obviously there are fans here that loved, that loved him. And, like, to see him go is definitely something that's, got to bum out some of the more hardcore fans who have been around the revs and seen him play and perform but i wonder if they know it's like yo seven hundred thousand dollars in tam money really can push down a dp that maybe bob Kraft wouldn't want to buy but now with that allocated money it's like you're gonna see someone like that. if you're a 12 year old revs fan (laughs) old enough to understand the sport at the very basics yeah and like most kids who go to the game with their their teams we gave up our best player why (laughs) well jimmy sit down i'm gonna tell you we gave up. We gave, we gave him up, but we got a lot in tan back. <laughs> yeah. We it's got like seven hundred thousand tan <laughs> bucks, little Jimmy. <laughs> What's that? So well, well, let's go on MLS's glossary. Or I can enroll you <laughs> in Tam University. <laughs> the MLS is putting on, <laughs> like and it's uh, like you shouldn't need a degree in MLS yeah. BS for you to understand why your team traded your best player. 
Yeah. And a lot of MLS like fans will probably bash us for saying this, but on, I honestly feel like it's not necessary. It really is an over overcomplication of the situations. I don't need I don't want to have to be a sports analyst to have to understand every single ins and outs of a of a, a potential trade in the MLS. I, I don't I, I don't do well with that in any other sport. Right. Like, honestly, like I don't follow any of that in football, basketball. Like I just let it happen. Like I'll oh, do that. That can make sense. But like, I just want it to be simple. So when I hear things like that, it just doesn't. It, it hits. It strikes a, a, like a, a a chord or a nerve. What's what is what's the saying? It hits a nerve in my in me that I just don't enjoy. It. So. Right. I don't know. And you know what's funny? It's like even as an American sports fan where we understand general concepts like draft picks and draft positioning, like we've already been ingrained in that. Yeah. They didn't even trade for that. They traded for another brand new fictional thing yeah. that you have to kind of and so I think you're right. I think the biggest point is you don't you shouldn't have to be a sports analyst to be a fan. Right. And that's unfortunately what I think it's at. Um but like I said, I think that some restriction is good. Keeping everybody, trying to keep everybody healthy is great. I think that the overall ideas, that they were put in with good intentions. But I, I don't think the MLS needs to continue to be babied. I, no. I, I, I don't know. I, I, think it's, I think it's about time they just kind of grow up. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I think if we were... Just get rid of Tam. Get rid of Gam. Get rid of your fucking glossary, MLS. Hey, get out of it. I mean, just get rid of I mean, yeah. Get rid of your yeah. fucking glossary. Ugh. So annoying. I don't want to be the anti-MLS guy, but it's like every time we talk about these things, it seems like we come off as that. It's just like... I know. I just want... We're going to have... A, there's so much fodder in this episode for the, <laughs> MLS, uh, the trolls on Reddit. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah we, we read all the comments, dude. We don't care. We still have our opinions. <laughs> Well, on that point, <laughs> uh, it's a pretty good spot to end it for the week. Thank you for listening, though, and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, uh, you think we'd get any, like, if we made, like, one of those e-classes on the MLS, you think we'd get any, like, subscribers? Like, yeah, make some money for the podcast? No, like, yeah, right. right. Hey, if you'd like to learn about the more about the MLS, we will be running a class. E-seminar. E-seminar. What the fuck the MLS is? I'd have to, t- I'd have to take <laughs> one. I'd have to yeah. take it. <laughs> I'd have to take the e-seminar. Like, <laughs> Jesus. Oh, man, it's so funny. But all right. But that's it, everyone. Thank you for listening to another fantastic episode of Culture FC. We talk a little about Tam. We know it's confusing. It's following in a, in a line of a lot of confusing MLS financial rules episodes. But let us know what you think. If we got anything wrong, which we might have, probably. Let us know in the comments. Send us an email. DM us on Instagram. We're always checking the DMs. Snow goes down in the DM. <laughs> Don't forget to leave us that five star review. Subscribe and check us out next week. <laughs>